Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio. Your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 19, Episode 3, powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide, and Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at juniorprospecthockeyleague.com. I'm happy to bring on Mark Yanetti, Director of Scouting for the LA Kings, to talk about some prospects in their system. Mark, uh, once again, thanks for coming on the show. Well, I always love talking hockey with you guys. So let's uh, talk about a few prospects. One, just you recently drafted in Jakob Dvorak at 6'5", about 210 pounds. And it was interesting, after the draft, we had a brief chat about, you know, some of the reasons why you guys, you know, drafted Dvorak. And I went back and looked at some game film of him uh, through huddle analysis. And then just something, a player popped into my mind, a Brendan Carlo. So I went back and looked at Brendan Carlo at the same age and found some similar themes in that respect. I mean, although, you know, if you look at Dvorak's game, he's not necessarily as uh, physical, but I think that is related to more of the environment he's playing in the ice surface, because in a larger ice surface, you have to be respectful of that outside space. And you just don't, when you're in a more confined space of North American ice surface, it allows you to be more physical because you don't have to worry about that player having other options. So I think as he progresses into the North American ice surface, because of his range, his size, mobility, that that's going to be an aspect of his game that's going to ramp up when he recognizes he has more opportunity to do so. Yeah, certainly. It's not a bad comp. It's, um, you know, it's like a, there's a couple of factors that would, in terms of the physicality, and you said one of them, the big ice. I mean, there's no question. Um, you see a less physical game over there because you have to cover more space. Anytime you play physically, it potentially takes you out of position and you have to recover 10, 12, 20 more feet, depending on what it is. <laughs> so artificially um, that kind of mutes some of the physical impact and particularly the consistency with which you can play physical. Then you throw in the the fact that he's playing, you know, he's a 17 year old kid playing against men. You always hear that, whether it's Liga, whether it's the Sweden, um, but you know, now he's playing against men and developmentally he's on a different level than, than the older guys are strength wise uh, ability to, to, to control all that. So there's your second factor. Um, and, you know, we saw when he came over for development camp and then uh, for rookie camp, especially in the two games he played in, um, there was more of a physical element to him. Now the only area we need to improve him on there. Um, because he, the consistency of it, you get used to not being physical over there because the style, because, and they just don't do it. So it's now not a natural part of him to go out and, and close a guy off or finish a guy on the half wall or, uh, or, or wherever he is. So we have to now get him doing that day after day after day. So it just becomes rope. It just becomes muscle. Exactly. It becomes habit. Um, that will be, I don't want to say challenge, but anyway, that's the challenge with our development staff uh, working on him. He angles well, he closes well, um, but they play a much more front-oriented style, a much more mirror-oriented style there. So getting him to close the space off and finish, kill, however you want to say it, 
um, that will be the, uh, the, the, the first, the, the first and foremost challenge on the development guys. And that's what I think it's intriguing with him. And if you look at, you know, in the, in the past, you drafted Eric Cernak, you know, very big, strong, mobile um, defensive defenseman with some offensive upside. And when you look at Dvorak, who has some similarities and they're not the same, but has some similarities, it's just, you got to be patient with them. And I think the value of the insulating defensive defenseman has become much more prominent. Anytime you want more mobile, you know, attacking defensemen, you have to counter counterbalance that with a style of defenseman like Dvorak, who can eat up a lot of ice and is an intimidating presence. So his value actually increases. And people sometimes, including myself, I had to like work on that is recognize what he needs, how he needs to move the puck effectively. He can't, he's not going to be that, you know, Brandstrom, you know, dowdy Brant Clark type of like puck mover. That's okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't need to do that. But what he needs to do is just be effective and intelligent when puck moving. Yeah. It, again, the puck moves up the ice faster than players. Uh, unless, you know, unless you're a handful of, of four, three or four guys. Yeah. Maybe. Um, you know, and again, the more I watch it, the more I scout. Um, again, you go back to our team in 2012 that won. There wasn't a, I don't know that I've seen a team move the puck up the ice as fast as we've moved the puck up the ice. And, that, you know, it's fun to watch Doughty or Carlson or, or you know, if we just stay in our system, Clark, you know, run up the ice like that. It's it's really fun. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's attention grabbing. But, you know, a, a 12, 15 foot pass quickly to Fiala, that gets the puck up the ice pretty fast. 100%. Let's also talk about another player that you drafted a couple of years ago in Francesco uh, Pinelli. Thoughts on his development? Because last year was his first year. Uh, you know, last this year is going to be his first year as pro. And it's always that challenge of, you know, all of a sudden you're in a different talent pool and the talent pool compresses. And sometimes that's a big splash of cold water on the face of prospects. How do you think he's looked through just the initial stages of his camp and then getting through a couple games with Ontario? It's funny. Um, you, you mentioned the splash with cold water. Uh, the splash with cold water happened in his first camp. Um, he was unprepared for the reality of things more than skill and ability leading to success. So it was ice cold water splashed in his face the first camp. Uh, one of the reasons he fell or the perception from what I've heard was things that weren't talent related or sense related. You know, he didn't always push himself. He didn't always play hard or whatever. Um, that splash of water and then our development staff, like like Mike Donnelly, Jared Stoll, you know, Green and O'Donnell, like all of those guys, like this kid took to that like a sponge. Now, whether it was that that stark reality hitting him in the face, uh, whether it was a just a progression of, of his maturity, whether it was the fact that our development staff really, you know, I mean, again, I just mentioned four guys. Like there's a lot of people on our development staff. So whether it was the support system or whether it was all three, um, the transition and the strides he made from that water splash till this year's camp, nothing short of extraordinary. Um, he and Leferrier uh, were clearly, uh, they were two of the best players in the whole rookie tournament. You know, not the best, but they were two of the best in the whole rookie tournament. And they were head and shoulders above um, most of the other pro uh, prospects uh, on the ice for us. So uh, he's been good. He's, he's really worked on his game away from the puck. He's really 
learned the consistency of compete. Like you see the offensive guys, they compete for pucks in the offensive zone. They compete for pucks when it could mean, you know, a benefit or a payoff offensively, whether an assist, a shot. He always had that, but now you're seeing in other areas. And uh, it was it was really cool to watch. Um, the the I mean, it was almost I wouldn't say exponential, but it was a it was a big jump in development from last year to this year. Uh, and now again, now he's got to, you know, now he's going to take that success and apply it to the rigors of a, of an 80 game AHL schedule, hopefully a NHL game or two here or there. Uh, and not just a two game spurt in, you know, it's easy to perform two games in rookie camp. Certainly thoughts on, you know, the progression within your development department of giving him stages along the way in the American league. Okay. Here's your first quarter of the season and start evaluating in, in quarters and then giving him, you know, instruction and, you know, positive feedback. And this is what you need to do. And this is what you're working on just so you can sort of reinforce those habits at the American league. Cause it's a, it's a grind. I think the CHL players and then the college players don't recognize how tough that league is. Nobody recognizes the, you know what? The first thing they don't recognize is how good the American hockey league is. Other than the KHL, I mean, it's, there's not a league close to the American League. And I have pissed off some European guys. It, it's not close. I mean, it's not. Um, you know, you can you can argue the KHL, and then you can't. It's not close. Uh, so a lot of guys don't realize how good it is. And a lot of guys don't realize how grinding it is. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's a hard, hard. It, as I said, there's a reason why so many NHLers have played in the American League. Because it, it prepares you. And it's, you know, it's, hopefully it's the same for Pinelli. And, and one of the great things is because of our proximity, I mean, we practice in the same building as our big team. Um, they play in Ontario, but all our practices, all our, you know, the, the, the training, everything is housed right in our, in our sports, you know, in the complex right there at TSC. So um, he has coaches, development guys, strength guys from the Kings and the rain on hand every day. So it's not just quarterly that he can get, feedback and evaluation which which you know which those are the the quarterly markers are the easiest to determine um but he's get day-to-day stuff uh with with multiple guys from our development staff some who are in la full-time and some who are in and out of la uh throughout the season so developmentally as long as he continues to take advantage of what he has taken advantage of um I, as i said i think the king's development staff uh I hate to use the word peerless, but they certainly do a very good job. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We'll continue to talk about the Kings prospects right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. 
The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're speaking with Mark Unetti, Director of Scouting for the LA Kings. Mark, want to get your thoughts on Samuel Hellenius, big, another big massive kid at 6'6 and probably 215, maybe 220. Look, sometimes we forget how young they are. He's 20, doesn't turn 21 until November, I think the 26th, you know, and had his first year in Ontario. Didn't put up the big statistical numbers, which I'm not concerned about in your first year in American League. If you get 0.25 points to 0.5 points per game in the American League as a rookie, not concerned, uh, particularly what role you play. So thoughts on the lessons learned he had from his first year in the American Hockey League and how that's you think it's going to translate through this season and, you know, f- discuss what, you know, the player development had to say about him as well. Well, he was a slow burn prospect, right? Like, you know, uh, you don't draft for need, but you're cognizant of what it takes to win in the NHL. So you don't necessarily draft for a need in your prospect pool, but you know, you draft for a need in terms of, you know, you, you need to make up a roster. You need to have, various guys and you can't have all five foot nine skill guys and you can't have all six foot five D sixes. So he was at that point, there were one or two guys that were slightly different than he was in the tier that we would have had. And looking at our team and where we were going, we thought we had the luxury of waiting on a guy. So he was a a development pick, a slow burn pick, whatever you want to say. Uh, Last year in the A, he learned accountability. And I don't know that he fully learned it in the A. I think it finally, I think he learned accountability from his first year in the A until development camp this year. And then, you know, he gets smacked in the face with reality. A, a guy playing his role, it's not easy to do in the A at any age. And certainly not, you know, he's fighting guys that are older. He's fighting guys that are much more experienced at it. 
He's running guys. He's hitting guys. He's trying to take angles on guys that are bigger and stronger and faster, and he hasn't caught up yet. So that's it's harder for big guys to learn how to play than it is for smaller guys or skill guys to learn how to play. Which, and, and it was it was a good learning year for him. I thought in the beginning of the year, especially at the halfway, while he was involved in scrums, he was involved on the back foot. Uh, you know, he was there. You know, and you know, it's it's like when you. Eh, <laughs> It's like when uh, when someone's telling you something you don't want to hear, and you're in the room, you're there, but you're not really listening. So he was there, and he was there in body, not in spirit. And then at the midway point, he started to get it and started to be on the front foot. And then fast forward to this year at development camp, and it's a different body language. Everything, him taking face off, different body language. Him digging in in the corners, different body language. Him chasing the puck carrier and getting involved, different body language. Him going to the net, involved in scrums in front of the net. He had a great fight in development camp where they were just throwing bombs at each other. And each guy landed each guy landed what I thought were fight-ending punches, and both guys just kept going. And you, you started to see that. He came to development camp in just okay shape, and he realized that that's not going to cut it. And he showed up at rookie camp in good shape. He, he's starting to become a pro. So it's all these little things that don't seem like much when you talk about them on their own, but – they add up incredibly when you start backing them up together, both positive and negative. And the fact that he's addressed each one of them in just a year span in North America, it's pretty damn good. And as you said, we saw a different, you just saw a different demeanor from him at rookie camp and a different level of effectiveness. So this is, as I said, next year is the big year for him, but this year is the year he has to take, it's just what you said. He has to take a step on what he did last year he has to continue rounding out and learning. And then next year, he has to put everything together. Let's talk about Alec LaFerriere. He was another guy you had actually mentioned in the first segment about his developmental jump. And, you know, he did the two years in the USHL, two years at Harvard, and then got a little cup of coffee at the end of the, his college. And then last year, you know, now this year he's coming in, you know, for a full run. He's got two, he got two games in with El, with the Kings. I'm not sure how that's going to play out in terms of how many games he stays or if he stays a whole season or he goes back and, and he goes to the American Hockey League. But thoughts on overall, because that's a tremendous jump coming out of college hockey and then being thrown right into the mix of the NHL. Well, dude, he bullied his way onto our team. Like, like you know, we all had high hopes for him. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about, I mean, Teddy and, and Teddy uh, Belial and Tony Gasparini, like, they wouldn't shut up about this kid. Like, you know, we had to create a new category for those, for this guy, because those guys were pushing him so hard. There was a, I won't get into it, but it became a running joke, but there were people in our organization that felt strongly about him. Now, I don't know that anybody envisioned this, but I mean, he, quite frankly, I mean, he was arguably a top two or three prospect at our rookie camp in the whole, in the whole rookie camp, you know, and that included guys like Carlson and Minchikoff and guys like that. But Leferia was in the top, the top tier of that, of that prospect group. And then, you know, like, well, okay, well, what happens when main camp starts? Well, he was one of the, you know, again, he got a really good opportunity with the main guys being in Australia. And what did he do? He was one of the top guys there. And then when the main guys came back, he continued, he should have made our team. It's just because of waivers and because we have, you know, the luxury of moving guys like that, we were able to send them down. And then when RV got hurt, it was instantaneous. He was the obvious choice. He has just excelled. And as I said, he is a guy who he's a guy who does everything he possibly can 
to reach his potential. He's got a, a selfish shooter mentality, and that's a compliment. We usually hear selfish. It's not. He, he wants the puck on his stick. He wants to get it to the net. He wants to shoot. He wants to score. He's got that the, the right kind of ego of, of, of selfishness with the puck. That doesn't mean he doesn't share it. It's just that's his mindset. He played really hard. Again, what do you, you know, I know it's going out of the game, but, you know, fighting in your first game, not a bad thing to show the coach you want to stay. He's a guy who wants to be in the NHL. And, you know, he's a powerful skater. He is an elite shot and release. He's only getting bigger and stronger. You know, with, with, with Arvidsson hurt and him perform, if he continues to perform, who knows how long he stays. You know, as I said, the, the thing that works against him is we have the flexibility to set them down without waivers. But this is a kid who really is overachieved now at every stage of his development since we drafted him. How much is an advantage for him over the maybe his CHL counterparts that he's going to be 22 at the end of this month, not a 20-year-old? Like that year, year and a half growth, I think is really significant, particularly if you got to get into the American League. Well, it's, it's one of the benefits you have with NCAA players. You know, it's funny in the NHL when we draft a guy and he's not, uh, you know, he's a prospect and he's not in the NHL by the time he's 22 years old, he's a bust. Which is so, ridiculous. Geez, he's, 20, he's 22 years old. He's not in the NHL. What's wrong with him? And then you get guys in baseball that are 26, 27 years old, when a rookie of the year. You know, it's it's a very antiquated way of thinking. It's it's a very caveman-esque, traditional. One of the things I, I you know, I, I, always, I often lament that with the, the, the NHL way of thinking sometimes. But it's a benefit. They, you know, 22 is not very old. <laughs> you know, no, your brain hasn't about, finished developing yet. You're, but you're we talk about like, right. But we talk about him 22 is what, what an advantage to do. Imagine that we're talking about 22 being a, an, an age, an age advantageous position uh, in terms of a prospect. And you're right. It is. So, you know, having those extra two years, I mean, it, it was a big deal for him. It was a huge deal for him. Like, like you know, he made tremendous strides when he was 20 and 21 and he made tremendous strides when he's playing on a Harvard team where he's playing as a top three forward. And they had, as they had Farrell, they had Coronado, or, you know, whereas in the American league, he would have been fighting for ice time at 20 years old. And who knows what happens? You know, I mean, you know, look at the landscape of, of just, you know, littered, littered with prospects who were just not quite ready. Like just not, you know, imagine if, Imagine if you could take all prospects and give them two extra years. Yeah, hundred percent. I just said I think I think it made a big difference with him. It was two extra years with our development staff. It was two extra years of playing first power play, first PK, of playing twenty three minutes a game, of playing with the best players, and you know what else? Of two years of being able to make mistakes and going back. No matter no matter what happens, you know you make a mistake in the Swedish league. And you're a 19, 20-year-old kid, you're done. You don't see the ice. You know, we see it all the time. You're a draft eligible kid, one bad pass, and you got a minute of ice time in the game. The American League's no different. And again, it's a it's a results-driven league. As much as they say it's a development league, it's a results-driven league. Coach isn't putting a guy in the ice who makes rookie mistakes. And rookies make rookie mistakes. So it, it, as I said, it was a huge benefit. And and it's an, you know, it's you've seen some of the college guys we've had. They, we've had some very good success with with college players as have other teams. And I think the extra year to three years, usually you don't do the four years because you can lose them, but the, usually the, the one to three years extra is a, is a big development ship. It's a big deal. And it's a big factor in some of the success of these players. 
Well, Mark, I want to thank you very much for calling the show. Really appreciate the insight. Look forward to talking to you in the future. Awesome, man. It was good talking. Stay tuned to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio as we will be speaking with Dennis Holland, scout for the Dallas Stars, right after these important messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting. Through an integrated series of best business practices, they design solutions for hockey operations and hockey business operations. I'm happy to bring on Dennis Holland, scout for the Dallas Stars, to talk about some prospects in the system. Dennis, thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. It must be hockey season. I'm talking to you again, so it's great to be here. Appreciate that. So let's talk about uh, Logan Stankoven right off the hop. And what I like about him is, no, he's not the biggest guy, obviously, stature-wise, but, you know, you recognize the mental-emotional side of the game is equal portions of value to the skill of a player. Because you can have, we've seen lots of skilled players never make it through to the, even to the American League. But this kid has the emotional, mental grit to find a way to adapt and get over. And even if he gets knocked down, it's just, he keeps, he's like, you know, that weeble wobble used to punch when we were kids, he'll get right back again and right after it. So thoughts on about his transition of coming from junior hockey, you know, from Kamloops into Texas and the American hockey league and how that's going to work out for him. Cause 
that's really a big jump for a lot of the CHL kids. Well, well, it is. And, uh, you know, he had as, as good of uh, junior careers you can have, uh, you know, world juniors and, excuse me, CHL player of the year honors, um, you know, led uh, the WHL in scoring, like did everything. Now, now it's, it's the time to uh, make the jump and, and uh, transition to a, a bigger, a bigger uh, foe. Right. So um, I think it's going to be a bit of a transition. I mean, I, you know, you play in the Western Hockey League, you play in the OHL and you're an offensive guy. You don't play, play much defense. You don't get asked to play much defense. Now he's going to be playing against pros. He's going to have to play all three zones. He does it as good as anybody his age. Uh, his competitive spirit is is off the charts. Uh, I think the the thing that really uh, blew me away is when I, I interviewed him the first time and how professional, how focused he was to be a uh, an NHL hockey player. Um, it just exuded out of him. It was just like you could tell this young man had one passion and one goal and it wasn't going to be denied. So um, I think his transition is going to be, there's going to be a little bit of a hiccup probably um, just to the size of the, uh, the, 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 the opponent. But uh, I tell you, he, uh, I'll take him any day in the week when the pucks gets thrown in a corner and who's coming out with it. So uh, I like his game. I think that um, he's got uh, great upside for our organization. We're, we're excited to see, uh, you know, where he takes his game. Well, there is some advantages when he obviously he's a smaller player, but there are ways to attack an opponent on a on a puck battle that is much larger and stronger than you. You got to find a way to get it under sticks into hands. You know, he'll have to do it in an intelligent way because you know the talent pool compresses, but also that size and mobility compresses. The D, the D men are you know six two and mobile, almost all of them, and you know he didn't have to face that all the time. It's like taking the best defensive defenseman in the Western Hockey League. Now, all the guys you face are like that. Oh, by the way, they're stronger and faster and meaner too on top of that. But I think he he shows enough intelligence to adapt. That's the one thing I like about his game is he's like a chess player. Oh, that didn't work. I got to try something different until he starts to see things. He, he, He sees trends really quickly and then overcomes that. Is that something that you saw as well? I did actually. I, I think he did a really good job there as an 18 year old. I think he led the league in goals. I, I think um, he was a great shooter. Um, you know, came back the next year and the league kind of said, Hey, we're not letting you shoot the puck anymore as much. And uh, he really is a, a great passer of the puck. A great, he has good vision. Um, I think he understood, okay, well, you're going to do this somebody else is going to be open, uh, you know, Seminoff's going to be open on the other side or, or whatever it was. So I think he, he adapts. He's a real smart player. He, he possesses a, an NHL shot and shoot from, from distance and, and uh, have success, which opens other lanes and other doors for, for teammates and, and uh, you know, makes opponents have to, you know, you know, which, what do we want to live with uh, his shot or him making a play to uh, somebody else that's open. Yeah, I find he's a player that could get lost in traffic and defensemen can lose track of him, of where he is. Then all of a sudden he's in a backdoor play and, you know, popping a goal in or making a pass. So that's where I think he could be really dangerous. You know, Cam Atkinson in that respect of just, you know, you don't know where he is and all of a sudden it's too late from that respect. So I'm curious to see what he does in his first year in the American League. Let's talk about Artyom uh, Grushnikov. You know, he's such a throwback defenseman. And I know the rage and the love affair with the mobile transition 
puck-moving, transporter, more offensive-minded defenseman is there, and it has been for the last, you know, five to seven years. But what that has done is made that defensive defenseman, the insulating defensive defenseman who is mean as a junkyard dog, more valuable and actually has become much more in vogue because you have to be able to balance that defense pair out. And that's where I think Artem Grushnikov, he's such a throwback, very much like the Rob Scuderi's or the Richard Vathachuk's of the world is he's just going to grind you into a pulp and you're just not going to want to go play against him. You don't want anything to do with him. And it's just some, to me, it was a breath of fresh air when I watched him play. And that's why I think he's going to be a really valuable asset long-term because you still need guys to kill penalties. You still need guys to match up and make it uncomfortable for other guys to go to the net and then balance and protect and insulate a more offensive-minded defenseman. Well, I, I think you hit the uh, the nail on the head there. I think he's one of those guys, if you, if you looked at the numbers and the analytics and stuff, you know, you're, you're probably not going to be falling in love with him. But uh, I tell you, you go watch him play a game and you appreciate the, 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 the sacrifice he makes to block a shot on a penalty kill, uh, how he makes guys pay a price in front of the net, um, I think, you know, when you look at back over our roster and, and the Dallas Stars organization, when we've had successes, you know, like you say, the Matt, the Chucks and the Hatchers and, you know, even now uh, Lindell for us kind of goes unnoticed at times uh, for what he does for our organization and for for his offensive uh, partners that, that play with them. Um, those guys are very, very valuable. I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a transition for him as, as every uh Young guy turns uh, pro. Uh, he's going to have to learn how to move pucks a little bit quicker. Uh, you know, the battle is going to be a little bit harder. But, uh, again, a, a quality person, a quality individual, and, and a, a young man that is a student of the game. I know they they, they talk about they, they got to you know, yank him off the ice at the end of practice working on, on shots and, and different uh, things to get his game better. So, um, you know, we're excited to, to, to see where he takes his game. It's the... Like most young men, uh, they always have a little bit of a hiccup uh, that first year, and it's in transition to living by yourself and and learning the pro game and and all. But uh, we like where he's at. Uh, we like that uh, he brings an element to uh, that. It's tough to find now. I mean, you could say you just go find a big tough uh, DD that can play. They're not as 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 plentiful as they 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 used to be. There, that's a, you know, like you say, a bit of a lost art to play within the rules and yet to make it uncomfortable for the other team's uh, offensive players. Yeah, before we take off the break, observation about him is he makes really great choices. Not decisions, but choices. Like, I'm going to take a hit to make a play, get the puck out. I'm going to block a shot. I'm going to engage in front of the net and take some punishment to control this power forward or this player in front of the net. And it's something I, I you know, learned from Dave King, longtime coach, about trying to evaluate players who make really good choices in that respect. And other thing is, I don't think sometimes in the analytic world that we don't do a very good job of overall is measuring how many plays are destroyed by a defenseman. How many plays do you stop wreck from like the neutral zone into the defensive zone? And that's what Grushnikov does. He wrecks plays and nobody likes to dump the puck in, in his area. Cause even if he's going back to get it, he's going to give it to you. Like you're going to get an elbow or something. He's going to reverse a hit on you. He's a piece of work. And I mean that in the most complimentary way. So I, I like him as a player. Now we're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio, but stay tuned right after these messages. Every play, every stat, 
every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but altogether, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting through an integrated series of best business practices. They design solutions for hockey operations and business operations. I'm speaking with Dennis Holland, scout for the Dallas Stars, about some prospects in their system. Want to get your thoughts on Maverick Bork? I thought he had a fantastic rookie season in the American Hockey League. That's a, we talk about the transition, and I thought he like hit it out of the park. You know, if you get forty-seven points in seventy games in the American League as a rookie, you know, and then you get twenty-five points, or no, you got uh, four points in eight games in the playoffs as a rookie. That's impressive to me. Like that is really impressive. Because sometimes I think we forget how good the American League is. Like I think sometimes we just get caught watching junior and we watch a, the NHL and we for, sort of forget about the American League. Um, you guys must be thrilled about the exp- exponential growth of him as a player and his maturity as a young man. Well, we really are. We're, we're excited that uh, he's now starting his pro uh, pro journey here, uh, coming out of the, the you know Memorial Cup and, and uh, everything he did in the Quebec Hockey League the, the last couple of years. Um, you know, we were excited to get him him going and, and getting get his game uh, in, in pro ready. Um, but yeah, I think we, we felt like he, he kind of got uh, tiptoed a little bit early into uh, this pro uh, season last year. 
till about Christmas. And then all of a sudden the, the light came on and I think he just said, you know what? I, I can I can play here and I can be productive and I can I can play with these guys and he was excellent. He was one of the the best uh, young players I think in the American Hockey League that second half and uh, you know I think he's only getting better. I think one thing that uh, excites us is we talk about his offensive game and and what he can bring and his vision and and all that. His defensive game is is just taking leaps and bounds. I, I know they're talking about. Uh, you know, him penalty killing now and and his attention to detail defensively is so solid uh, for a young guy. Um, you know, his his 200 foot game is really, I think, uh, developing nicely. He's going to be a guy that uh, you can slot and play at uh, lots of different uh, situations and 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 with different players and 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 be productive. It's one of the things I noticed him with him in the queue is I watched his five on five play. I actually didn't even bother to look at his power play time. It was just because I find it's easier for me to figure out which players can actually play on a power play at the NHL level and penalty kill at the NHL level based on what they do five on five. And I thought even though in the queue where he doesn't have to do play a lot of defense that as he, you know, progressed and got, especially in his last year, I thought that those details of his game were more pronounced because he was forced in those positions of having to go head to head against the other team's best lines. It really did help him. I think that uh, that playoff run at his last year uh, to the to the run to the Memorial Cup really, like you said, uh, taught him, you know, how to compete against the best. Um, you know, he uh, he takes a, he takes pride uh, as much away from the puck as he does when he has the puck. Uh, elite vision. Uh, great poise, uh, hockey presence uh, when offensively. But uh, like I said, I, I think uh, a lot of times these young guys, you know, don't think of that uh, that other end of the other rink and, and went away from the puck. But uh, I, I tell you, he's a very mature player uh, for for what he does uh, offensively in, in his own zone too. Interested to get your thoughts on Antonio Stranges. Now, last year was his first year pro hockey. Um, split between Idaho and Texas, uh, you know, some games in there. And, you know, obviously I think offensively he handled both situations, but once again, it's about adapting to the American hockey league and pro hockey and how much of that game is, how often you realize when you get there is you never, you don't have the puck anymore. It's not like you're in the Ontario hockey league with your London Knights and you're a top end player and you have the puck all the time and you're playing against 16 and 17, 18 year old kids as a 19 year old. Now you're playing against men and you rarely have the puck. So what are you doing? What do you do? Like, how can you be effective? So how much of you thought was that is just transitioning very similar to what Maverick had to do, like kind of like before Christmas, trying to figure out his way, wait a minute, how do I, how do I play at the speed and pace and size and, you know, tenacity and how, where do I fit? How do I adjust my game and adapt my game? Because how many times have we seen players that are really good in the CHL and our top end players have to like end up being becoming third line players in the American League? And that adjustment sometimes is just hard for them to handle mentally. Well, it, it really is. And I think we all knew uh, going in that there was going to be some bumps in the road for him uh, his first year you know, playing pro. And, and, and I, like you said, it, it really is just that transition from 
I have the puck the whole game to there's really a lot of good players at the American Hockey League level that are a little bigger, bigger, stronger than I'm used to. How can I be productive away from the puck? How do I learn to play defense a little bit and still not, you know, lose my offensive creativity and, and that? So, like I said, I, he, 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 you know, they, they always take a step back to take a step forward. I think a lot of these young offensive players, I, I know uh, Antonio did also. Uh, I know he went down to the East Coast Hockey League, was a pro uh, put his work boots on and, you know, was working on his craft. It, it's, it's your job now. It's your, your livelihood. Uh, and I, you know, we were, were very pleased. He came up at the end of the year, um, forced the coaching staff to put him in the lineup at the end of the year and into the playoffs. So, um, you know, all in all, if you look at the, the, the whole, you know, spectrum of that year, it was a great learning experience for him. He came back uh, more mature and understanding of what the, the program was all about. And I mean, we, we have a, a, an influx of, of young players into the American hockey league this year. Uh, you know, uh, Kyle McDonald and, and Chase Wheatcroft, who we signed as free agents and Seminoff and a Curry, a Curry comes in. And so these Bloomles, uh, you know, the, these young guys that now were first year guys, are going to have to be, you know, going to step up and have, and have bigger roles. Antonio is going to have to do the same. He's going to have to be a little more consistent and 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 uh, you know show that uh, that he deserves to play at that level. And then and then you work on uh, you know showing the NHL people that uh, you're ready for that level. How much of it was he was just trying to form habits at a pro level so that you know once he got through the ECHL and got called up and forced his way into the lineup and played into the playoffs because coaches don't like playing players who make mistakes particularly in the playoffs how much did that help in terms of this is what I need to do every day I just have to be consistent because I can get away with it in junior I just can't get away with it here I, I think that that is exactly it I mean I think you know you you you, you watch some of his highlights film uh, plays from the Ontario Hockey League you know the toe drags through the the neutral zone and beating those ones are are, are great for the highlight film and 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 such but you don't see those ones that get you know poked off your stick and the puck goes the other way at the pro level so there's a little better you know he had to learn more puck management within the style of his game love his creativity love his you know skating element to his game there were so many things that we we loved when we drafted him that he needs to blend those elements into being a little more consistent, uh, you know, puck management wise, a little more uh, reliable defensively so he can get on the ice to do those opportunities. So, you know, the coaching staff's excited to, uh, you know, see where he can get to where where those you know, those, you know, those American League coaches can mold his game to where uh, one day when the phone rings, you know, who's ready to for, for, for a game in the NHL, it, it'll be, uh, you know, one of those guys, uh, him or, you know, Maverick Bork or the Stan Covens of the world um, that, uh, you know, it, it, it's a great uh, thing to have when we have some depth and there's some competition at the lower level to say, hey, I'm ready. No, I'm ready. Uh, you know, you have, your, your organization is strong when, when you got a, you know, more than one, you know, opportunity to call somebody up. Well, Dennis, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate the insight of your prospects and look forward to seeing you down the road. Thanks, Shane. You too. Nice to see you. We'll see you at the rink one day.
That's Dennis Holland from the Dallas Stars. We're going to take a short break, uh, prepare for hour two. We will connect with Patrick Williams, HO correspondent, to talk about some American League prospects, as well as Mike McMahon, college hockey insider, discussing some college hockey prospects, as well as Pat Malloy for some player development discussion. And, of course, Dr. Kevin Willis will come by and talk about the mental side of the game right after these important messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's your hosts, Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hour 2 in Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to another level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. Now speaking with Patrick Williams, HL correspondent for AHL.com and NHL.com. This year we're going to talk a lot about the prospects and the drafted players and the particularly the rookies. And I know it's early, Patrick, but I think a few rookies have kind of jumped off the page in the first week of action. And number one off that list has to be Brad Lambert. I mean, I know he got a cup of coffee last year. Well, more than a cup of coffee. He got quite a few games in the American League before he went down to you know, to the dub and finished out his season there and played really well. But I think it really helped him transition. I know it's only been like a, a few games for him, but he's got three points already. Like, talk about that importance. When you talk to guys like Jimmy, Jimmy Roy in player development for Winnipeg Jets, 
how important to get off like to a really good start for a guy like Brad and, you know, him as a player, because that's, he has AHL star written all over him. Brad Lambert's an interesting case, right? Like these days there are a lot of 19 year olds that, you know, 18 even where, you know, they're ready to play in the American hockey league and they have to uh, be held back in junior just because of the rules he was sort of the opposite. Like he was a player that, you know, he had that kind of that, that you know, because he had played over in Europe. So he was able to play in the HL a little bit last year. He clearly was not ready for that. I think to the Jets credit, they realized the situation. They, they, they took a step back. They sent him back to the WHL, let him play there, let him get some confidence. He had that obviously um, you know, great run, great playoff, um, you know, with a team that went all the way. Um, you know, through the Western League uh, and, you know, salvage that year. I think the worst thing they could have done for him last year is force it. Yeah. And I think that's a theme. And we've talked about that theme a lot through the years, forcing situations that are not there. Right. You know, if a player's not ready, don't force it. I mean, they Send call the back. American League a developmental league, but in many cases, it's actually – it's not a development league for 19- and 20-year-olds. It's sink or swim for 19- and 20-year-olds. Sure, Even man. if you played three or four years in the dub or the O or the Q, you come to the American League as a 20-year-old, it's like – it's a wake-up call for them. And, and there they, is a time and a place for to sw- sink and swim with a prospect when, you know, 22, 23 years old and you're starting to get to that point where, you know, like, is it time – Time to cut bait here. 19 is not that time. So I, I love what the Jets did. Uh, they, they recognize that, okay, he's not ready. We'll send him back to obviously to a great situation with Seattle. Uh, and now you see him come back and there's that confidence issue, right? Like, yeah, 100%. Okay, now, he had a little bit of a taste of the HL. He knew what it was going to be like when he did finally get back. And he came back with that confidence, and now he's ready, right? And like he's had obviously a weird kind of upside down development path, you know, playing in Europe, then going to the American League, back then back to junior. Now I think this year is is going to be really nice for him. Stable, consistent, same team for a whole year. I think it's really yeah. going to help him. Let's talk about another rookie in the American Hockey League, and Brennan Othman, who was. You know, a really top end pick, 16th overall in 2021 for the New York Rangers, and he's getting his first taste. You know, with, with Hartford, another guy who got three points in two games, which is, mm. you know, that's rare for a 20 year old. Now he's 20, and and Lambert's not even 20 yet; he's a late birthday. But talk about coming into Hartford in that situation and getting off to that kind of start as well. And I think it's just really important for a guy like Othman because he's a goal scorer. He's got yeah. to get in and score goals, like feel his confidence, and he's got two goals in two games. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that for him. Yeah, you know, you know, two goals opening night. One was the uh, the game tying goal that sent the game to overtime with two minutes left in, in the third. And yeah, clutch you're goal. Right, like get that confidence early. You're right. He's a player, energy player. Gets in on the board check. You know, overall, I think for the Rangers, I really like this. Like, you know, so Will Collie's obviously started up with the big team this year, and he was a big success story last year in Hartford and you know there hasn't really been a lot of that in the last gosh almost going back a decade before that right like yeah Rangers and, and Hartford it was kind of a it was a tough go for a long time they just you weren't just producing get, prospects unless it was like a really top end first round pick you weren't for one you weren't putting a ton into the system in terms of uh you know some real high-end talent and then the talent that was being put into the system wasn't really uh materializing 
Paulie was obviously a big success story. Othman, I think you're 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 seeing a lot of that same. And I and I like that the Rangers now are taking that patient approach. There's always that temptation, right, with the first round pick to have them in, get him in there, get the hype up, you know, make the pick look great. It's a mature decision, though, on on the part of the Rangers front office. We're sending down to Hartford. He's going to play. He's going to play a ton of minutes. He's going to play 20 minutes tonight. He's going to top line minutes. He's going to be one of the go to guys there right off the bat. And uh, he's going to play for Chris Knobloch, who's a good teacher, um, and and gets his confidence. I mean, you don't want to what you don't want to do is playing eight minutes a night in New York, maybe going in and out of the lineup. You know, for a team that's obviously you know kind of in a win now mode, like this is a, this is the right move. This is the patient move. Um, and hey, if he goes down to Hartford and really tears it up for a month or six weeks, and it really makes it like you know he forces the Rangers to make a decision forces their hand that, you know, okay, we got to bring this guy up, then so be it. But for yeah. now, like, no harm to send him down there, get a ton of minutes. Uh, gonna, uh, the other thing, too, is early in the American Hockey League season, you get a lot of good practice time. Like, the schedule is relatively light for most teams, uh, as opposed to the NHL, where it's kind of like right off the bat, you're, you know, you're right into the swing of things. Right. So, you know, you get to work on some of that, you know, that, that, that skill development time in practice early on in the American Hockey League before the schedule picks up. Right around U.S. Thanksgiving, so it's yeah. a good fit. Let's talk about Olin Zellweger. So smaller, skilled defenseman put up yeah. a moronic amount of points in the Western League last year. You know, making that run with uh, got traded from Everett to Kamloops, and you know, it's, mm-hmm. I'm always concerned is how does a smaller, you know, although mobile, um, really intelligent defenseman, how does he handle the rigors of the American Hockey League? And through two games, as yes, it's two games, but he's got three points in two games already. It looks like it's a fit. To me, it's just about how does he handle, is he going to be special defensively? I'm not worried about offensively because that's obvious, but can he yeah. develop special defensively? Can by the end of the year, is he a top three D man for San Diego? We can be thrown in a lot of different situations. Well, that's what you're hoping for. Right. And you know, you, you make a great point. Like, yeah, we know he's got all kinds of, you know, the the offensive skill, all that is obviously there, you know, certainly. And even coming up to the American League, he's obviously showing it. But, you know, what makes or breaks any young defenseman, you know, especially at this level. And this level is, is the final step, right? Like, you know, we say this all the time. It's the final step before the NHL. Like, this is where, like, there's no place after the American Hockey League to, you know, iron out those deficiencies like when you get to american or when you get to the national hockey league they expect you to be ready to go right like there's not time to completely rebuild your game there's barely time to make mistakes in the american league to be honest like like that's even it's not we call it a developmental league but in some cases it's really not like it's it really can chew up prospects especially defensemen so if you're not careful yes absolutely yeah Yeah, and that's something you have to be careful about Um, especially with with some of those obviously highly offensively skilled players, and now they come in here, and you know if you have you have them getting their their defensive mistakes picked apart every night. I mean, I've seen that you, you and you've seen this, I'm sure, as well, like time and time again, right? Like you can see their confidence just go down the drain, right? So, like um, this, it, it, this isn't even specific to Zellweger, but just you know you have to manage these things carefully. What I like for him is he's a smart player. Right off the bat, and they have Matt McElvain, uh, the new head coach there in yes. San Diego. Ten years over in Europe, high level experience there. Great teacher, uh, really relates well. 
Uh, you know, he's got a lot of personality, a lot of charisma. Um, I think he connects well with his young players. So, um, you know, I like, I, you know, I like a lot of what the Ducks are doing, quite honestly. Like, they're just amassing those prospects. I love the fact you have Greg Cronin coming in there uh, into Anaheim, you know, who has a great teaching background as well. Um, they're taking their time here, right, like in Anaheim. But, uh, you know, I think now you got McIlvain there running things on the San Diego things. I think there'll be a lot of good connection there with Cronin. And uh, Zellweger, I think, will be a fun one to watch. Well, thank you once again, Patrick, for coming on the show. Really appreciate your insight on the American League rookies and look forward to speaking to you next week. Great. Thank you. That's Patrick Williams, AHL and NHL correspondent for the American Hockey League. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We'll be back right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skilled development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back in its Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. We're now speaking with Mike McMahon, College Hockey Insider. Read his Substack. It's great every week. Fantastic stuff. So we're going to talk about this entire year, our drafted players in college hockey. And we're going to start off right at the top with Rutger McGrady from Michigan, Winnipeg Jets, first round pick 14th overall in 2022 because of his ridiculous start. He has nine points in four games. Like 
That's crazy. And I'm, look, I'm not terribly surprised at all. He's being successful in college hockey. Main thing is because of his work ethic. Great attitude, excellent work ethic, and he makes great choices. There are players out there in college hockey who make really good decisions and not necessarily the best choices. But he makes great choices. He always pays the price, takes hits to make plays, willing to block shots, goes to the net hard, takes punishment, goes to the corners and get pucks. Those are the types of choices that turn you into an NHL player. Mike, you know, I know it's early in four games, but what have you seen out of Rutger that's really impressed you? Well, I, I think they were going to lean on him to fill a bigger role, right? Obviously, Adam Fantilli was gone. Mackie Samusic average signed. So it's easy in the preseason to say, well, this guy is going to have a big year because he's going to have an increased role. He's going to be, he's going to be the go-to guy. It's easy, and I, and I do it too. Like when you look at the preseason, you, you kind of prognosticate and think that that's what's going to happen to a player. But that player still needs to seize that opportunity, and not all of them do. And what we've seen so far from Rutgers is that he has absolutely seized that opportunity. A little bit of a different player. I think he's you know probably more in the Fantilli mode than the Sam Muscovich mode in terms of style of play. But but he's his own player in his own right. Like you said, does everything well. Like he's that type of guy that uh, I think is going to be really successful as a pro, even early on as a pro. Because you've got some guys that, like, if, if they're not playing in your top six, what are you going to do with them? You really can't play them anywhere. And he else. can play anywhere. He could play anywhere. So, like, he if he gets into the NHL as a 21 year old and you got to put him on your third and fourth line, he can play that way for and a we'll year play, or two. And until, we'll do it gladly. Yeah. And, and, and then until he's ready to be in your top six. So, that's why uh, what I think is most intriguing about him as a pro is. You know, last year, not that he took a back seat, he was still fourth in that team in scoring last year, but, you know, Fantilli was the driver for sure. And Sam Miskevich was kind of the driver. And Luke Hughes, you know, defensively was definitely a driver. He was kind of that that second layer of scoring. They're definitely going to look to him to be that driver this year, him and Gavin Brindley in particular probably. Um, but it's not everybody embraces that role. He's embraced that role wholeheartedly. And we've seen nine points in four games here to start. Let's talk about a Detroit Red Wings prospect, fourth round, 114th overall in 2021 in Red Savage, Michigan State. One of the things that really impressed me, particularly when I watched him at the World Juniors, is that he's not the highest skill set of a player, doesn't have the elite hockey sense, top-end hockey sense, but he's really smart. What I like about him is great habits. Like, he doesn't take shifts off. He, like does all the right things on the ice in terms of off-puck play, angles, like puck battles, gets a stick in lanes, like plays with a pace, um, engages, battles hard, like very much of a player that I think could be a really good third, could be a third liner in the NHL. That's what I see from him. And I think he just needed an opportunity to sort of expand upon his offensive role. And then if you look at what he's done so far, you know, he's only played four games, but he's got seven points. And I think maybe that change from, you know, Miami to Michigan state and getting an opportunity just was a, a fresh breath of air for him in his third year. Sometimes guys need that too. I mean, that the Miami program, they've had a nice start to the year, but they struggled in the two years that he was there and that can wear on, on a player. It can wear on a team. Uh, I think the move to Michigan state is going to be good for his development on, on a number of levels. Uh, if that's, his career projection as a pro, like you said, uh, it's going to help him to go up against better players in practice every single day. 
Uh, when you look at some of the guys that they brought in through the transfer portal, through some of their their, I mean, we talked about uh, Arden Leshnov last week. Uh, you know, he's potentially a top five pick as a defenseman. He's going to go up against that guy every day in practice. Uh, so it, it's going to help him, I think, just to be around better players uh, in terms of his developing his offensive game, but also developing the defensive side of his game too, because he's going to have to compete with those guys every single day. It's not just going to be who he's competing with on the weekend, because the NCH is a really good league. You know, yeah. it's not just going to be who he's competing with on the weekend, but I think those other five days, Monday to Friday, when you're on the ice for an hour and a half, two hours with your team every day, being at Michigan State, against, uh, just up against better players with a really good coaching staff, I think it's going to do a lot for his development in, in a number of areas. Yes, yeah, certainly. You know, and, he, and he's going to be have to be the man. Offen- one of the men, yeah. top guys offensively. They're going to lean on him for that. You know, it's just a different type of pressure for him. And pressure, obviously, is always internal. And, you know, that's on that individual. But looking at what he did at the World Juniors, looking at what he did, you know, in previous tournaments, I just think he... His work ethic and his habits are going to really help him because he's going to be consistent. I think that's going to make a big difference in that respect. Uh, the third person we want to talk about and player we want to talk about is Seamus Casey, uh, Michigan as well as his teammate Rutger, but New Jersey Devils draft pick. And he was second round, 46th overall in 2022. Not the biggest guy, but smart and capable. One of the things I like about him is, yes, I mean, he can put up offensive numbers. He did it last year. He's obviously starting off in a really, you know, got six points in four games as a defenseman this year. But what I'm really looking to him is his defensive capabilities, his defensive habits. Because he's not a big, bigger guy, he's got to gap up smart. He's got to take smart angles. He's got to keep his feet moving. Uh, you know, he has to engage and understand how to battle against bigger guys more consistently, get in on their hands, get in on their stick, you know, th- those kind of things. Uh, thoughts on what you've seen so far this season from him, and can he take his defensive game to another level? I agree. I, th- I think he's going to, and I think he has to, because uh, they're going to rely on He played a lot of minutes last year, but they're, yeah. I think they're going to rely on him for even more minutes this year. Uh, because just like McGordy sliding into a kind of what the Fantilli role was a year ago, and no one's going to completely fill that role, uh, Casey's kind of sliding into the Luke, Luke, Luke Hughes role, excuse me, a little bit too, uh, in the sense that he's going to demand more minutes. And he played in every situation last year. He played a ton of minutes last year. But now, it, it, again, it's also that added pressure like we talked about with Savage where you're the guy. There is no bad – like, you need to be our top defenseman. Yes, we have a lot of really of, of other really good defensemen on our roster, but we're really going to look to you, lean on you to be that top guy, which means not only do we need you to do what you do with the puck. He had over 100 shots on goal last year. He's got over three shots a game this year. He's on pace for more than 100 shots again as a defenseman. Uh, like you said, he's more than a point-per-game pace right now as a defenseman. So they're going to rely on him to bring the offensive side of the game, but also, I mean, if you're playing – 22 23 24 minutes a night you can't be bad in your own end you just can't or you're going to get exposed uh, and i don't think he is I, I think he's it's something that he's worked on like you said it not is not a bigger guy he doesn't have to rely he can't rely as much on that physicality he's got to rely on on his hockey iq and his wits and i think that we've seen that grow oh, not even just this year over the course of the end of last year too uh, and it's going to make him a well-rounded player as he looks to the next level you know, and I think an op- potential opportunity for him to play at the World Juniors for Team USA. I think that's going to really, you know, give him another boost as well. I thought he should have made the team last year. That's on my own personal preference, just because I thought he's more reliable defensively than some of the other D men that they had there. And do you think he's a player because he's on the smaller side? 
he's going to, he should play three years and not go, not turn pro the end of the season, but play one more year and just get bigger, a little bit stronger. Uh, I don't know how much bigger he's going to get, but certainly stronger and a little bit quicker only because the minute you get into the American Hockey League, it, it's a tough sell. It is. I mean, it is. It really is. He's a guy that I think you're right. Uh, another year, a third year would do him well. I think the guys, the guys that can go and have success after two years are really, I mean, it's the physically mature guys. You're going to have, you're going to have like the total caveats every once in a while. Like, look, obviously Conor Bedard's not a big guy, right? He's going to be just fine. Uh, so you've got like the guys that are just a generational talent from a skill standpoint that they can make it work. But generally speaking, I think it's the guys that have a little bit more size and strength that are going to do well if they've got to spend that time in the AHL first. Yeah, hundred percent. So, uh, once again, Mike, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate the insight about the drafted prospects in college hockey, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Sounds good. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio, but we'll be back right after these important messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're now speaking with Pat Malloy in our player development segment. Uh, the topic this week is possession puck skill and time creation. Pat, thanks for coming on the show again. We always appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, let's get into this. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to this segment. Um, every time that we speak, uh, I try to learn something new and 
give it, give the listeners a breakdown, uh, you know, that possession puck skill and what that really means in terms of not only player development, but also from like a evaluation standpoint, because I guess before you can help a player, you have to evaluate what's going on, break down, you know, their mechanics of what's happening and then find a solution that best suits how for them to get better um, over time. Yeah. I, I mean, in, in my, I guess, 20 plus years and, and, and having worked with multiple national hockey league teams in the player development department, you know, I I've kind of refined it in that I'm looking at, at skill detail and habit of a certain portion of a player's game Um and then using that to sort of formulate a, a, a development plan for them. So from a, a possession perspective, I mean, ultimately what we want is players that have the ability to endure and, and to extend possessions, but ultimately endure deliberate and incidental contact uh, in order to make a play. And so, you know, from an evaluation standpoint, you know, I'll start to look at posture. Everything will lead me back to posture. Is there an activated base of skating is there a dynamicness in terms of are they ability to, you know, do they own the ability to endure deliberate and incidental contact and play between checks in order to make the play that's, that's required uh, at the time that it's required. And so the things that would go into that, you know, from a developmental standpoint, sort of speaking from a, when a player graduates from junior uh, or is looking to graduate from being a, you know, a fairly accomplished player at the junior level and, and then breaking into the pro level, puck placement is certainly going to be something that, you know, that we'll look for. They'll get away with a lot more just based on talent level at the junior level than they will at the pro level. Um, balance points. Are they in a position where a quick push will take them off the puck? And, you, you know, we'll see this all the time at the National Hockey League level. How come you'll get a player that's sub 200 pounds, a 170, 180 pound player, and they're really strong on pucks and, and you know, 200 plus pound defensemen aren't able to move them off of pucks. And a lot of that will come back to the balance points in terms of that posture that we talk about in order to be strong on pucks. And, and then from, a, you know, utilizing that sort of checklist of skill, detail and habit that I've really adopted over the last couple of decades of developing players, you know, do they possess the skill in which detail do they use those skills? And then from a habitual standpoint, are they doing things that afford them advantage? Uh, you talked a, a lot in the segment so far about uh, posture and the ability to uh, stay strong on a puck despite size. I find one of the, the most important uh, examples of how to stay strong on a puck for a smaller player is to be able to handle leverages and be able to understand leverages to be able to take advantage of of their smaller frame when they are going to get up against big defensemen who are attempting to lean on them. Can you discuss more about that process and what goes into that skill set? Yeah, it's, it's really, I think leverage is a great word. It's, it's a lot of times leveraging the strengths of your game and, and, and understanding what other, you know, opponents are trying to do to you. So a lot of times when someone sees a physical mismatch in terms of a defender trying to, you know, to manipulate a situation, you'll start to see an aggressiveness take place. And so leveraging a defender's aggressiveness or, pushes in certain ways can certainly act as benefit when framed for you to recognize those as triggers. And so one of the things that we'll do a lot of in terms of, of building someone's possession ability up is, is recognizing how to pull defenders and get defenders moving in a way that I can leverage their aggressiveness 
create a trigger that I now, you know, automated in terms of a habit to, to recognize as a trigger and then exploit it. So, you know, someone that's being really aggressive and trying to get in stick on puck, but ultimately hip on hip or, or body on body and try to really, you know, physically manipulate a situation that aggressiveness when framed properly and, and recognized early is something that can be used to create, you know, boost advantage to get into that pocket of time. And ultimately, you know, what we're trying to do is, is to create time, time to make the next play and that next play mentality. So, you know, maybe that next play is me distributing it to a teammate and control. Maybe that, that next play mentality is, is that I've got to continue and extend my possession in order to make, you know, the available play, whether it's a pass or a carry option. Ultimately, everything that we're trying to do from a possession perspective is to create that time for ourselves. It's Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. I'm Shane Malloy with Brad Allen from HockeyProspect.com, powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're speaking with Pat Malloy, player development coach. Uh, in our regular segment, Pat, you made an interesting comment. You know, when you're dealing with a like helping a player who's smaller against larger defenders, the forward versus a D, how much do you uh, get into the fact that, you know, you want to maybe want to put pressure on joint areas, like those pressure points, because uh, pushing people off leverage always ends up happening at the hinges, whether it's the knees or the hips and how you can sort of like manipulate that area. If you're a smaller player to get that larger player off balance, say if it's a forward versus a larger defenseman. Yeah, I, I mean, when we look at it, when we talk about that idea of, of the leverage of a, a larger player, obviously, if we can create scenarios where we're dynamic in, in our movements and create little pockets of time by getting defenders to cross their feet, by getting a defender to, you know, to trunk over and to start to lean and, and to, to really reach with their stick in order to be stick on puck. You know, one thing we want to, and I talk about triggers. So for instance, if we can, you know, with our movement, with our attack base in terms of a smaller player, we can skate and get a larger player reaching. We now know that we've manipulated them to the point where their center of gravity or their mass is leaned forward. Well, that really sets up well for us to create a cutback scenario or room for us to move into. Um, you know, if we're dynamic enough and we're shifty enough in terms of weight shifts and dynamic movements, and we can get a defender to cross again, that, that opens up another pocket of space for us to use and ultimately creating pockets of time with our movements. Um, it, it's not something that just happens. You have to make that happen. There's gotta be things that we do to force what we're trying to get from a defender. So, you know, I'll often say if we can get a defender doing something they know they don't want to, they don't want to, or they're trained not to do with our movement, we now have a pretty clear indication that we're in control of a scenario. And so patience becomes a thing for sure. And that sort of stick to itness that it's not going to happen in the first portion of a shift potentially, but it might happen in the seconds, you know, just after you've given up. So it's, it's important that we recognize Sometimes you've got to create those triggers with your movement and, and the idea that time saved is time earned to make a play. And so, you know, forcing people to do things and forcing people outside of their comfort zone is, is really something from a trigger standpoint that we'd, we'd like to talk about and illustrate. Uh, Pat, I, I think maybe a little bit of a definition difference here. One thing I, I refer to this um, as a, basically reacting dynamically to a resistance. So if somebody pushes on you, you immediately counteract and redistribute your weight, which is, I, I, I 
believe is what you're saying, right? You throw them off balance and then you, you use that weight against them and create an exit strategy. One thing I want to ask you though, was for less small, less elusive players. Okay. It's not the William Ecklins of this draft. Um, not the Niels Hoglanders, um, but bigger, bigger line driving players like Miko Rantanen, for instance, somebody right. who can throw their, their weight back at a defenseman. Uh, do you look at a player base like that and say, this is an opportunity where we can really use something like reverse hitting to our advantage to create momentum to come out of that and create exits as opposed to having to, to uh, wait for the larger defender to come down on the smaller forward to then, then manipulate the weight transference? Is there, would you say there's a big difference between the two in terms of how you approach them, depending on the size of the player? A hundred percent. I mean, you know, a, a player's toolbox, their physical makeup certainly plays into, into how we create an individualized plan for their development or uh, success at the next level. So reverse hitting, creating that pocket of air, that sort of fallout after contact where there's that brief period between re-engagement of a defender and yourself where you've got the opportunity with that dead space to turn out and, and to create a little bit more time with your movement, um, leaning on people, you know, sort of dragging the, the contact of the fight to them. If you have the physical ability to lean on someone, you know, create a, a counter push out of them and get them playing their weight into you. Again, it's created an opportunity for roll off opportunities or for them to play a card that maybe they had never intended to play you know, where they might stay off the time and, and sort of honor your size and strength. So again, for sure, everything would boil back to the idea of, of individualized based on talent level, skill set, uh, physical makeup, all of those things would go into the way we would plan for that. We're going to take a short break right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at FractalHockey.com. 
Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Our final guest is Dr. Kevin Willis. And Kevin, thank you very much for coming on the show. No, happy to be there. So for our listeners, we're going to go through a a series of different topics about uh, mental toughness as well as the mental side of uh, the game of hockey. And uh, Kevin's a a hockey coach as well as a a sports psychologist with uh, has many clients that are hockey players. And and Kevin um, wrote an excellent book called Hockey Grit, Grind in Mind about, you know, how to help young athletes learn the grit um, from a grit mindset. Um, it's a, a fantastic book. So I recommend anyone who has a opportunity to pick that up. And, and Kevin, we want to go through some of the aspects of your book because I found it really fascinating uh, in terms of, you know, when you're speaking with young athletes and development is such a huge factor in, in the game of hockey, you know, from your perspective, uh, from the, you know, from the sports psychology perspective, how would you define grit? Well, you know, from the book, I, I talk about being passionate. I, I talk about being perception. It's five P's, right? Passion, perception, practice, or purpose, practice, and perseverance. And and really what I try to break it down in is to understand that, you know, to 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 stay engaged when things are hard, to stay engaged when you're not getting the results requires a, a level of passion that, you know, some people are willing to invest in and some aren't, right? It's fun, but I'm not passionate about it. Uh, so grit, I think, is a big, big part of all of these things. You know, I, I looked at a lot of the research uh, when I was writing my book, and and, and really, it, to, to make it as simple as possible, it's really passion and perseverance. It's, it's those two elements, um, whereas I sort of get into a couple of other ones, you know, how, how you should practice. There's certain ways to practice. Um what you should know about yourself. I think there's awareness, you know, self-awareness is super important uh, in a player's development. Um, but yeah, if I just were to sort of narrow down what grit's about, it's, it's a passion to persevere. Is that your grit formula? You know, in terms of like, you know, when you're presenting this to a player is like, here's the formula of grit. So you understand these different aspects within your own personality and then you know, what will be required of you to, you know, match your, your goals uh, moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, my, my, my sort of spin on it, it it starts with a burning passion. Um, You've got to just be lit like, you know, nobody's business. It's something that you would do regardless of who's watching, who's regardless of what feedback you're getting. It's something that you truly love that that's what I call a burning passion. Um, but then I also incorporate this idea of, of self-perception, self-awareness, and that has to be accurate, right? You've got to know where you are, where you're starting from, where you're coming from, because if we're going to grow from there, 
we've got to be realistic about where we are right now. And that's, that's a skill, right? Self-awareness is a skill that, that we can train. Um, the, the third one is purpose. It's, and I, when I talk about purpose, I'm talking about a compass to know exactly where you're going, right? Um, you have to be committed to stay on the path, regardless of how difficult it is. Um, but if you don't know where you're going, you know, then any anywhere could take you there or not, right? So my, my thing is if you don't have goals, if you don't have a very clearly defined purpose for what you're trying to accomplish in this game, um, then grit is a hard thing to hang on to because that confusion, that frustration, um, if you don't have something to sort of anchor to and that being your purpose, then you'll struggle. Um, the third one is, is, uh, is uh, deliberate practice. Um, that's the idea that there's a, there's a way that we can practice to get the most out of our game. Um, I, I would say, you know, most, most players that I've, you know, seen on the, at the ring practicing, you know, bouncing pucks around, they're just sort of going through the motions. They're sort of just doing what the coach wants. And, you know, working hard, but not really anything more than that. And deliberate practice is a very special technique for deciding what you need as an individual, in addition to what the coach needs from you on this team, but practicing in a way where it's very intentional, very purposeful. And then that last piece is that perseverance thing. That's the ability to stay the course, regardless of, you know, how difficult, how uncomfortable, how frustrating, um, so it's those P's. It's those five P's that I think are, are really important. That's, that's what I would consider my grit formula. Uh, Kevin, following up on your perseverance statements, when I was 17, I was 260 pounds, and it was not a muscle, I can assure you that. And over the course of nine months, I lost 90 pounds and put on 20 pounds of lean muscle, and I never looked back. I completely transformed who I was, and I, I kept it up through perseverance. I've been told that I'm an anomaly that I'm the outlier, that it's rare for people uh, to be able to basically transform themselves. I, I, you know, I consider myself to have been somebody who got lucky. You know? But do you feel that when it comes to athletic perseverance, that, there is a, that the, the formula you have, uh, the recipe you, you've created, can be used and be generalized so that people uh, like myself are not so much an anomaly but, but a, a normal thing? Yeah, well, think about what you just described, right? That you had, that you recognized where you were, and that wasn't where you wanted to be, right? And so you made a, a decision, a deliberate decision, to do certain things uh, to get there. And you had a roadmap, you had a, a plan, a purpose of what you were trying to accomplish, right? So we're talking about all of those pieces, and then you stuck it out. You know, a lot of times when you're losing weight and you're trying to build muscle and things like that, um, in the beginning, it's it's hard, right? It's hard. You might lose some weight, but building muscle takes time. And so if you're not committed to the end result, then it's easy to bail. It's easy to grab those Twinkies or those bag of chips and, and bail. But you had all of those elements. You had a path. You had a passion, right? You had a plan. You had the perseverance to stay the course. And then you made sure that you did very specific things every day, you know, as a regular to to take you to where you wanted to go. So I think you're a perfect example of what can happen when this, this recipe, so to speak, comes together, right? Um, and you were able to do that. And, and I think that's a very powerful statement to anybody who is saying, you know, I, I don't know why I'm not getting results. I don't know why I'm not getting to where I want to go. Well, let's look at these elements, right? Do you, do you know who you are as a player? Do you know what you want, right? How much do you love this game enough to stay the course when it's really, really hard? Right? Do you have a plan in, 
place that you're going to, you know, work these very specific skills in a way that, you know, you're, you're putting yourself ahead of your, your teammates and your competitors. And then finally, you know, do you have a plan for when things get hard? Where, where's your mind going to go when things are ridiculously, you know, hard where coaches are screaming and, and fans are yelling and you're not getting the results that you want? You know, if you don't have some sort of plan in place, then it's easy to get sucked down that, that you know, doom loop is what I call it, uh, where people just, you know, they disappear from the game because not because they don't have the skill, but because they didn't have that, that toughness to stay the course. Kevin, how much of that, you know, people like to say, oh, it's, they're, they were born with it based on nurture and, and how easy is, you know, your grit formula can be implemented to any player that's regardless of their level. Well, I, th- I think that, you know, look at the, some of the best teams in the world, look at the, you know, NHL, look at the Olympics. These are guys that weren't born with it. Some had advantages, right? Some were born to pro players. Some were born big and fast. Some were born with massive muscles. Some were born with, you know, elite quickness. But you still got to train. You still got to put yourself in front of great coaches. So I think that's a cop-out to say that, you know, hey, that, that kid was born with it. I mean, I go into great detail on this the idea of the, the science of, you know, elite skills. And we, we talk about, you know, how do you create um, an elite athlete by using things like deliberate practice and feedback and master coaches and opportunities like that. So, um, no, I think if you wanted it, Anybody that is committed to achieving at a high level in anything, right, whether it's playing the piano or, or you know, becoming a chess master or playing hockey, you've got to, you've got to appreciate the sacrifices and the hard work that it's going to take to get there. I think most people dabble, and then they wonder why it's not happening. Or most people, you know, they, they try it. It's harder than they thought, or, or the feedback they're getting isn't what they thought. So they sort of pull back, and then, and then they use the well, you know, I didn't really try. That's that's why I wasn't able to make that junior team. Like, I really didn't try. You know, I should have. And if I did, I probably would have made it, but I didn't. So it's just an ego protection, that kind of stuff. But, you know, when, when I'm working with an athlete, I, I don't entertain any of that. That's where that awareness, that, that ability to, you know, put yourself in a position to reach your potential. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's fascinating. I'm looking forward to this, to this continued conversation. This has been another episode of Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio, powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. You can listen to our show on your favorite podcast network or on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter at HP Radio and HockeyProspectRadio.com. Thank you to all our guests. I'm Shane Malloy, and for Brad Allen, we will see you at the rink. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. 
The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca.